Hello everyone, I'm here with Pete Bodine. Pete, welcome to the Ward family. And Pete, where did life begin for you? Where did you grow up? So I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, lived there for just over a year. Moved to Houston, Texas for a year. And then Mississippi, uh, Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, my father was in the FBI and so he was moving around a lot. He uh, ended up going undercover of the Ku Klux Klan in Mississippi, so we stayed there for a few years experience desegregation with the National Guard on the playground and as we march into school uh, in I think that was probably second grade. My dad ended up helping prosecute a number of the bad guys and so we quickly moved out of Mississippi, lived with my grandparents for a while while he kind of was going through the trials and stuff uh, and then ended up settling in Chicago probably about the third grade and was in various Chicago suburbs uh, through high school. And through that whole process, how big was the family? Like how many siblings did uh, you have? So I have six siblings. I was the oldest. Uh, at one point, my mom had four under five years of age. Uh, my sister and I are like 10 and a half months apart, so very compact. And then there was uh, a late arrival and my youngest sister who is 16 years younger than I am. And as you were growing up, what kinds of things did you take an interest in? Were there either certain sports or activities that you really liked or certain subjects in school or things like that? Uh, so I, I wasn't a big school uh, participant. I liked, you know, autos and shop and all those kind of things. I went to work at a very young age, 14. Also did a lot of training in the trades, became a journeyman tile setter. I actually built a lot of the Chicago Temple, you know, set all the marble and tile there over a couple of years. Um, it wasn't until going on an LDS mission that, you know, college kind of really clicked and decided, uh, you know, I'd go a different route than running a construction company. And so were you a member of the church growing up, or did that come later for you? Yeah, so my mother was Catholic, my dad was Protestant, my dad converted to Catholicism to marry my mom. Uh, while in Meridian, Mississippi, the missionaries knocked on the door, my mom joined the church. After going one week Catholic, one week LDS, my dad kind of gave that up, we moved to Chicago, he was gone for a while, we attended, you know, it was probably a year or two of primary and then got baptized as, you know, um, not right at eight, but soon thereafter. And uh, something that my mom's family and my dad's family were very much against. And so there was a lot of, you know, challenges to kind of overcome that we had joined the LDS church. And uh, eventually uh, all my siblings were, were baptized. And even my father for a little while was uh, a member. And so when you kind of look back at that period around when you got baptized, did you have certain, are there certain spiritual experiences that kind of stand out or testimony builders that kind of stand out? Or what was that process like for you in terms yeah, of making me, that decision? For me, it really wasn't as a, a youth or a teenager. It was really, you know, nobody in my family had gone on a mission. And one of my friends was going and, I, you know, um, school was still kind of, uh, you know, a maybe a thing to do and so I decided to try the mission and I think that's really where sort of the spiritual awakening occurred. That decision to go I remember distinctly you know sort of praying about that and you know getting a, a firm answer. I had 
you know, read the scriptures and the Book of Mormon before that, but never really, you know, had firmly engaged in, you know, thinking I would go out and try and sort of teach um, other people. I ended up going to Seoul, Korea on my mission, and, uh, you know, I figured uh, if I could teach the gospel in Korea, and I could probably come back and do college, and, you know, that's, uh, that's how it worked out. And did working on the temple happen before or after the so mission? The church had entered into a contract with a local Chicago contractor because of the union situation there. When I returned from my mission, someone knew that I had a union card, and so I was asked to go out and kind of check out the situation and eventually became sort of their general manager. As occurs in Chicago quite often, the... Uh, unions went on strike and the whole temple was shut down for eight or nine months. That allowed me to kind of go back to school when it opened back up again. Uh, I was able to sort of finish the job during my time off and then go back to school. So that was post-mission. Focus on the mission for just a second. So that must have been a pretty big transition in terms of going from the U.S. and kind of the Midwest to Korea. So yeah, what was that culture shock, I guess, maybe like? And then what was, how, what do you remember from the mission so itself? In Chicago, there's a pretty big Korean community. So I was familiar with some Korean things, but it, it, it was definitely a third world experience initially. I showed up, you know, in mid-January, uh, so very cold. Uh, the first place I lived, didn't it had running water in two rooms. We had essentially a, a charcoal kind of heater that heated water. The, the, the outhouse was outside. Um, you know, I, I had taken for granted light switches and, you know, tap water and those kind of things. And that just wasn't uh, uh, something. So, it, you know, at first was very humbling and then, you know, made me grateful for all the blessings we experience here in sort of North America that you kind of take for granted growing up here. Uh, you know, today I do business in Korea and it's, you know, amazing how they have advanced, but uh, it was a very interesting culture, uh, great people, but uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of learning. Uh, I lived above essentially a sweatshop on the third floor. A sweatshop was in the basement. One night my companion sort of shook me awake and said, hey, we got to get out of here. The sweatshop was on fire. And when we, you know, when we came back to get our belongings the next day after the fire there was you know two inches of black ash on the floor literally hundreds of dead rats that didn't make it out and we were fortunate enough that he woke up and you know we were all able to get out you know safely clearly a blessing it was kind of a, a remote area and so the fire department didn't show up for quite some time and you know just uh things that we you know again take for granted here in the united states uh you know weren't like that there and were people generally receptive to learning about the church, or was so they, it? Or they how were, did that go? So we, I remember, like the second area I lived in. You know, one of the ways you'd sort of assess what an area was going to be like is the first night you're there, you'd go on the roof and you'd count the neon crosses, and, and I think there were a lot of, you know, people that, you know, kind of checked a Christianity box there, and it was more of a social thing, and so. The Koreans were super polite. They wouldn't slam the door. They'd offer you food and drink. Um, you know, it, the church grew, you know, decently, but it wasn't particularly hard sale. And you weren't, you know, I, I really respect the people that serve missions here in the States because, 
you know, um, the amount of, you know, negative things that you have to deal with, you know, is huge. And I, I didn't experience that uh, in, in Korea. They were super friendly. Um, you know, they wouldn't listen more than a few minutes most of the time. But, you know, there's still some, you know, people that I converted that are active and in leadership roles in the church. And it's uh, amazing to see, you know, how things progress over 30 years. So you got back, you were then working on the temple there. What was that like? Was it, was it kind of just like a job like any other kind of job? Or did you find that there was a kind of strong spiritual component to it as well? Or I think at times there were as we came closer to completion and um, like the cornerstone laying, I had sort of prepared all that. Um, that was quite spiritual, but it was just Chicago Union site. And, uh, you know, that, that's a much longer story, but we had some very interesting experiences with the unions and tires getting slashed and other kind of things because of the team's work ethic that I sort of put together versus who was sort of working on the job before I kind of got there to manage it. And it sounds like in parallel, particularly given the strike and so on that you mentioned that you ended up taking the opportunity to go back to school. At yeah, that so point. I, so uh, where did you go and kind of what, what did you choose to study at that point? I had a mentor that was a big time accountant and he told me, you know, go into accounting, you always have a, a job. Uh, I had attended uh, BYU before my mission and wasn't going to go back, but decided to go back. My sister was there. Um, she was going to be getting married. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go back to BYU and uh, check out the accounting thing. I had done some finance stuff in my mission and even had been sort of sent to Tokyo's where the presiding bishop's office was for that region to help them set up their books. And I thought, cool, I, I at least have some understanding. I took one accounting class and, you know, the, the, the ledger stuff made no sense to my brain. Uh, even though I was, you know, pretty good at math, it was much more statistical kind of approaches to things. And so eventually I settled on doing uh, a degree in finance and then I got an MBA from the University of Utah, decided to go into tech uh, here in the Valley. So at what point in that process did you and your wife end up meeting? It was pretty close to that first semester back after my mission and doing some work on the temple that we uh, had met. Um, my roommate had a crush on Michelle's sister and we just kind of became friends first and then uh, you know kind of started dating. Her mom thought she was too young to get married. She was a freshman and and um, so we, we dated for a few years and then got married my senior year, her junior year. And then uh, while she was student teaching, uh, I decided to you know, um, do uh, the MBA at the University of Utah. You guys met at BYU then, or you mm -hmm. met in Chicago? Uh, at in BYU. Chicago. And so you guys get married there, you end up doing the MBA in Utah, mm -hmm. and it sounds like at that point, the next step was to come to California? Yeah, so it was right around the, uh, you know, the 1987 stock market crash. I had envisioned going to Wall Street. I had done some work for a couple of financial firms, and they were just, I remember interviewing with uh, an investment banking firm, uh, and they were just saying, yeah, we just laid off 5,000 people, so you're 5,001 on the higher back side of things. And so my sister lived here or in San Francisco, and so we came and stayed with her and just started interviewing. I met a couple of 
senior people in the electronics industry and ended up going to work for a boutique consulting firm that uh, was actually based in Los Altos. And so we got an apartment in Mountain View and, you know, have lived within a mile of here, you know, uh, since the fall of 1988. So. And so for people who haven't lived in this area yeah. as long as you have, how would you characterize what Mountain View was like in yeah, so 1988? We, we, uh, there were some people in the, um, I think at the time it was Los Altos Third Ward, that managed apartments like many LDS people do in the area. And they said, hey, we've got this apartment over on, it wasn't even called Shoreline. They were just changing the name to Shoreline. Uh, and uh, so we rented uh, a one-bedroom apartment. I think it was like 625 bucks at the time and I remember taking a walk around the first weekend thinking that a new townhome around the corner was $400,000 and I'd never be able to afford that uh, and you know it, uh, it, but you know looking back you know, we actually moved into a studio uh, right on Shoreline that was like $495 to kind of save money but you know the difference in that savings would have never got you a down payment uh, even on a little condo in, in Mountain View. But, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, work went well and got a few big deals done and we were able to, you know, uh, we, we were at one point, you know, three kids in a two bedroom apartment, you know, on the corner of Middlefield and Rangsdorf, uh, where, you know, I still know members of the wards that live in that apartment complex uh, when we, you know, kind of built a home, this home in Los Altos and moved in when our, just after our third child was born. Once you moved out to this area and you were married, how long was it until you started having kids? Did that uh, come right away or did you wait a while? Yeah, we, I mean, Michelle worked and I worked, uh, I think it was, you know, five years uh, before we, four, four and a half years before, you know, we had uh, our first daughter. And how many kids do you have at this point? We have four. Madeline's our oldest. Uh, she has three children. Her husband is in his fifth year of orthopedic residency in Pennsylvania. We have our second daughter lives in Palo Alto, was married uh, a little over a year ago. Um, our next son, David, uh, was born a couple years later. He and his wife just had their first child. She's about nine months old now and really fun. Uh, they live in Utah, but I don't expect they'll be there long. And then our youngest son, Michael, his husband is in medical school at Ohio State. And uh, I think they'll be there for a while. Um, but we're, you know, hoping to get a more central location for our kids, uh, you know, by the time we retire. So we're a little closer than trying to get to Columbus, Ohio, or Erie, Pennsylvania. And when you did start kind of having kids, what was that? kind of transition like to becoming a dad? Yeah, so I, I was, you know, kind of really active in investment banking in Asia at the time. And so, uh, you know, honestly, I was gone way too much uh, for the earliest years with my two daughters. And, uh, you know, I looked at different sort of career opportunities. Uh, when I first moved to the Valley, I didn't know anything about, you know, kind of the tech community and venture capital. But as I learned about you know, the venture capital ecosystem, I thought, okay, that would be, you know, a cool job to have. And so uh, eventually found my way into venture capital. And even though I probably didn't work any fewer hours, I at least had more control over my schedule or knew, you know, um, that, uh, you know, things were scheduled out sort of a year. 
And we always had a goal of sort of trying to get, you know, between two and five weeks out of California with the kids every year. And uh, my wife's from Idaho, but had some friends in Montana. And so we started, you know, kind of going to Montana every summer. And now we have a, uh, a small cabin um, near Yellowstone Park that uh, we spend a lot of time at with, uh, with the kids and now hopefully the grandkids. When the kids were growing up, were there either you know, certain things that you tried to focus on with them or, you know, I'm, uh, you were raising them in the church, so I yeah. assume, you know, kind of gospel principles and things like that. But were there other types of things that you and your wife tried to kind of focus on with your kids as yeah. they were growing yeah. up? Besides teaching them sound kind of gospel principles, we really wanted to make sure that we had independent thinkers who were, you know, kind of capable of you know, making, you know, uh, decisions and understanding the consequences of those decisions. Uh, we wanted to make sure that our kids had a good sense of self-worth. Um, you know, I think uh, that's, that's an important thing to, you know, sort of teach your kids. It's not an easy thing. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it takes work. I think fortunately we had a community, you know, in the church and in schools that, you know, assisted with that. So uh, I, I think, you know, um, our kids have, you know, been able to become what we sort of envisioned. And, uh, you know, again, I think, you know, my father used to talk about sort of making sure we had the opportunity to, you know, be better and do better than he did. And I think we sort of felt the same way uh, about our kids. And I think, you know, Again, the complete story is not written, but I feel like you know we we did a, a solid job of conveying some of those skills and attributes that uh, make our kids and their spouses good people. You were talking earlier about how your mission was this kind of more pivotal period of your life in terms of your faith development and kind of building your testimony. When you think about that time span now, from your mission to now, how would you? say your kind of faith has maybe evolved or you know matured or things like that how, how would you characterize the difference then versus now one of the things that sort of my recollections of being a missionary was you were sort of required to color only within the lines and those lines were pretty distinct uh, whereas i think my testimony today is look I know where the lines are. Uh, I don't understand why this part of the curve is right here or right there. Uh, and, and so when things you know, uh, don't match up uh, or are sort of outside the lines, um, it, you know, it, it, if you don't have you know, kind of faith in the ability to sort of know or believe that you will learn about that later. Um, when our son came out as gay, you know that can be a real struggle and test and and we just said look he's our son we love him we're, we're supportive of him it's not necessarily inside the lines that we sort of live by today but he is a phenomenal human being and we love drew his partner and husband and you know, um I, I think because my testimony advanced and i had faith there wasn't a mathematical formula said this is this is how it will work out it was just I just had a sense of hey I, I don't have to know what that formula is today 
and um, it just is it's gonna be all right and you know we want that strong nucleus as a as a family and so you know um, instead of sort of having questions about my testimony I think it furthered you know my belief system and my you know love of the Savior and belief in our Heavenly Father and I'm just curious now kind of at this point in your life you're you're your kids are grown, you know, it sounds like some of them have kids of their own, from what you were saying earlier. As you now look forward to the future, are there either certain things that you're trying to do, or experiences that you're looking forward to having, or? Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, ideally, we'll be closer to our kids and grandkids. That's not always, you know, a, a guarantee when I left Chicago, other than sort of Thanksgiving or Christmas, I never really you know, sort of made it back there. Um, I think that's kind of why we have our cabin in Montana as a kind of central sort of meeting location. But, you know, Michelle and I would, you know, kind of love to do, you know, some sort of service work uh, at, at some point in time. You know, probably could retire now, but I, you know, I enjoy fly fishing, but, you know, three days of it is enough. Not, you know, not something that I could get up and do you know, sort of every day. I really like working with, you know, entrepreneurs. I like having a calling at church. I spent a lot of time at girls camp this year and, uh, you know, I've done that, uh, and, and young men's camp, you know, many times over the years. And it's a very fulfilling, you know, uh, as we heard some of the testimonies recently in, in, in church and some of the, you know, recent missionary, uh, return stories that, uh, you know, those are impactful, you know, times. And, uh, I know, uh, that there were a lot of people that contributed to a lot of the learnings that my kids uh, received and experienced over the years. And, you know, I, I still feel like I'm kind of paying some of that back. Well, as long as we've both been in warts together and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as I've kind of gotten to know you a little bit over the years in various ways, but like this has actually filled in a lot of gaps in my understanding of your background. And so even for, hopefully that's also true for other people in the ward and especially for people who are maybe newer in the ward, you know, I just uh, encourage people to come say hi to Pete and get to know him a little bit better. And um, just thank you for all of that service that you do do within our ward and our stake. Uh, Really appreciate it. Happy to do it. And thanks for chatting.